Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Commercial Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. Like a few of you, I've spent a bit of time over recent weeks on Clubhouse, and sometimes I find it difficult to keep up with all the jargon and super high-level chat. There are definitely a lot of egos out there in this space. If you've been listening in some of the chats, you could be forgiven for thinking this all sounds too flippin' complicated, and you're just going to stick to residential, and I can understand that. But hey, that's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast show and that is to debunk all the myth and nonsense that sometimes surrounds this part of the property market. Today I want to remind ourselves that this is simpler than some would portray, and although I do have a degree in building-related topic, it really has nothing to do with what I do now. Because fundamentally, we're all private investors here, investing our own time and our hard-earned money, and sometimes other people's hard-earned money, but learning our trade as we go along, day by day. Property by property, conversation by conversation, and dare I say it, podcast by podcast. Don't let anybody's use of a foreign language, that being the language of the agent or the slightly puffed up investor, to put you off getting involved in this great asset class. So, let's talk about some of the fundamentals. Some of the waypoints we need to know about to help us make our way safely on this journey together. Before the fog descends... And in this episode, I want to bring you back some clarity. Let's start with one important factor and a little bit of fundamental context. There are loads of different subsectors in this market with loads and dozens of different strategies. And just because one expert is talking about one specific strategy in a certain subsector doesn't mean they're talking about the whole market. And they may portray that they do, but actually they're just very good at their section, but not the whole thing. Now, none of these strategies are better than any other, just more appropriate for each set of circumstances, including, for instance, the investor's experience, the property itself, local demand, price, location, and, of course, the targeted output by the investor in the first place. It's back to that thing, isn't it? What do you actually want from this? Now, in a few moments, I'm going to explain the different layers of the market to you. It's kind of a matrix or a flowchart I've put together that gives you a structure to analyse the market and how to spot opportunities and, importantly, avoid areas that are oversupplied. But before I go into that, as you can probably tell, I'm just a little bit frustrated at all the high fluting strategies and ego-boosting chat online. Don't let that paralyse you into doing nothing. Just because you're hearing about all sorts of mega deals where a magician has simply done steps one, two and three, poof, like a genie in Aladdin, they've created wonders to behold and added another million pound in value to the property. Just like that. How can you compete? You don't try. This is your race. Nobody else's. 
Yes, there are some mega deals out there. But first, we need to learn to walk. Sometimes, the best way to get started is with something small. Get in the swim and learn as you go. Get a vanilla product if you need to break that duck. If you've been looking at all the angles for months or even years and not actually made that step yet, perhaps just doing something small and vanilla will help you get into the flow. Sometimes all of the chat and unfamiliarity of it all and the temptation to be distracted by another residential deal is just all too debilitating. It's distracting. It puts you onto another track and you forget about it. You just park commercial. Oh, I'll, I'll, yeah, it is important. I'm going to do that. But I'm just going to park it while I do this two-bedroom house up. The key is to keep the risk down, okay? Remember the principle is if there are higher returns, there's usually a higher risk. And by default, the risk is lower the return is potentially not so exciting. But getting started with something that is less exciting could give you much higher returns over the longer term because it actually got you started. As your knowledge and experience rises, so will your ability to reduce the risk. You don't need to dive in at the deep end straight away. You can learn as you go. You see, our first commercial property was 100% let when we bought it. So it didn't really appear as though there was much upside. And we paid a multiple of 10 on the rent. So in the face of it, we just bought a vanilla building with a 10% yield. Whoopie doop. But the upside did come, and that was from refurbishing, tweaking the rent, adding services and extra value for the customers. And because it was a multi-let building with licenses instead of leases, we were able to lift the income pretty significantly over a number of years. And this in turn did actually triple the value of the property. But it took work and time. But then we bought a building that had 50% vacancy. So the first one was 100% full, but this one was 50% vacant. And then the next one we bought was loss-making, a bit more of a mix of product, and it only had 50% occupancy. And then, and only then, we bought a building that was completely unoccupied, in fact had been for three or four years, and needed full redevelopment. So this was a proper speculative development, but in reality, by the time we took that project on, it actually only equated to less than about 15% of the total value of our portfolio. So it was a relatively small risk. However, if it had been our first development, then it would have been 100% of our commercial portfolio and it would have had no income, we would have had no proven track record and it needed full electric heating, lighting upgrades, an extension, landscaping, you name it, it needed all of it. So we couldn't have taken that on as our first project. And maybe by taking on that vanilla product to start with, it allowed us to build up the traction and the credibility to then move on to the slightly more vacant ones, the slightly more underperforming ones, and then on to the completely speculative ones. And now we've moved on to million pound plus developments, but it all had to start somewhere. And that was with a low risk, simpler proposition. So if you're seeking to get started in this amazing asset class of commercial property, then please think of a way you can progress and develop your knowledge as you go on, not jumping straight into a huge deal, or at least thinking that's the only way to do this, because you've been seeing there up in highlights, these amazing returns and fantastic deals these people are doing, don't have to compare yourself. And by the way, we've also invested in High Street before. A property we bought was a typical offering in a regional town. 
We had it for about 10 years or so. There were a few different tenants over that time, a small amount of vacancy. It delivered around 9% ROI on the buying price. So there was the potential for a different exit, which is why we took it on, but that didn't work out. But the point is you can invest in more mundane stock to earn a reasonable ROI, but also by doing that, you learn the process of how to find it, negotiate on the deal, find the finance, buy it, deal with leases and commercial utilities, lawyers, surveyors, and so on and so forth. There are lots of lessons to gain and confidence with relatively little risk. But before we move on, there are some things you shouldn't skip. Getting a good team around you is really important. You need to find yourself a lawyer who's well rehearsed in commercial property law and contracts because this is the team that's going to help you minimise the risks as you do ease yourself into this market. Someone who can analyse existing leases and title and things like that and important items like dilapidations and schedules of condition and can advise you on that. You may of course need a some help with a building severe on that too, but also things like who pays for the insurance? Who's liable for what? These are all things that can be extrapolated from the lease and maybe a lawyer is what you need to help with that to start off. You also might need an accountant who understands commercial property in particular, not necessarily just a standard accountant, because there will be some commercial property tax things to think about. VAT, capital allowances, and how that might affect your negotiations. Because if capital allowances have already been claimed on the building previously, how's that going to affect your position? I don't want to get too complex because that's the whole point of this, try and keep it minimal. But these are things that your team can help you with. And then I mentioned earlier on about building severe. Yes, during those early projects in the early stages, getting a good severe on your team will help. And try and befriend some commercial property agents. Either they may bring you deals, of course, which would be great, or at least you can bounce some ideas off them to cross-check any potential deals you're looking at. So it might be trying to find out, if I had a thousand square foot space, industrial unit, not far from XYZ, would you manage to sell that? Would you manage to market that? Do you have customers looking for, oh yeah, I've got quite a few, or no, 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 there's loads of those, I wouldn't really try that. And you can at least find out from them whether the property you're looking at is going to be suitable for the market. So let's get stuck into the matrix so we can learn how to dodge the bullets. This is an expansion of an earlier podcast. It was podcast 24. And in that episode, I talk about whether you're going to be a passive investor or an active investor and also talk about what area you might decide to invest in, as in primary or secondary or tertiary areas. This episode delves more into the multiple market layers for a specific geographical area and how to analyse that specific town or, or suburb of a city to work out what's going on. How does it actually fit? How does your property that you're looking at fit in that market and is there a market for it? The first layer to understand is simply that of sector. Is the property industrial or storage, office, retail or in the hospitality and leisure sectors? So when you're looking around at a specific area, which is what we're talking about here, it's important not to look at the whole market all at the same time. We need to pick a specific sector to examine. So let's say, for instance, you pick office space. The second layer to define your market is that of the product offering. So again, going to office space, you might find some parts of the market cater to really high intense incubation type level of support for the tenants. 
And then at the other extreme, you're looking at a full repairing and insuring lease, where effectively, here's your keys, see you in 15 years' time. And there's lots of things in between. There's service space, there's managed space, there's space that has a lease, but there's a service charge. There's all sorts of bits and pieces in between there. But you get the idea. There's an extreme of one end where pretty much your nose is wiped for you, right through to the other end, where you're in charge of looking after this property for 10, 15 years, and you need to make sure that you look after it and hand it back in the same condition at the end of that lease. So when you're looking at offices, going back to that example, in your specific area, have a look and see what's available. Is there? Let me ask you a question. Have you heard of SAS pensions? They're a fantastic tool for business owners to wrap a commercial property up in a tax-free bubble. SAS can work particularly well with the CMO strategy to generate money both inside and outside of your pension. It goes without saying, I'm not a SAS expert, but let me introduce you to someone that is. Bryn Walker has been advising on SAS pensions for many years and has been a long-term supporter of the CPI network. SAS and commercial property work incredibly well together, but there are many nuances, and Bryn will make sure you don't stray from the right path. Look in the show notes for the partner link and book up a SAS discovery call with Bryn. Some at different extreme, is there some in the middle or is there some missing in the middle? Then the third layer is about quality and about customer expectation. So for instance, is is the property that you've identified, is it a one star quality or is it five star quality? And often this is referred to as grade in property circles. It's a grade A office, meaning it's very modern and a very special place. Basically, it's going to cost the most in the local market. And those gradings or the star rating, whatever way you want to go with it, will then show you the different levels that are available in the market. So we've started on that sliding rule at the top first. We've picked office. Then we've looked at what type of space is offered. So for instance, let's have a look at something that's maybe more managed. So it's not quite serviced or incubation, but it's a bit step up from lease. There's a bit more of a management. There's probably a separate service charge. There's somebody at the end of a phone should you need something. That's what managed space is like. And then you're looking at the quality of the service. So this property is a three-star property that you're looking at. So it's an office, it's got three-star quality, and it's a managed contract. And then the fourth thing is about size. So what's the size of the unit? Well, this office is 1,500 square feet. But of course, the market might have spaces from as little as 100 square feet all up to 100,000 square feet. And that's a big, big difference, isn't it? So if you're looking down through those layers, first one, what sector? Next one is what is the product offer? The next layer is the quality of product offer. Because there might actually be quite a lot of managed space in your marketplace, but it's all at one star. There's no quality offering. And maybe that is where there's a gap in the market, is to provide space that's just a higher quality. And then the fourth is about the size. Has the size actually, is the sizes available in the market quite diverse or are they quite large? And sometimes when you're driving around perhaps some regional towns or small industrial areas, sometimes you can see these large pavilion buildings. There may be 10, 20, 30, 40,000 square foot of office space and nobody is renting them or buying them. And that's because there's fewer customers at that level that want that size of space. But it doesn't mean that people don't want office space. 
It just means it's proving that maybe people don't want 30,000 square foot in one go. But it's definitely not proving that people don't want 200 square foot or 500 square foot. So you have to look around the market, the sizes that are available and the sizes that are full. And maybe talk to agents and find out from them. What size of space are people really looking for? Because you might speak to an agent and they say, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother buying any office space. They're all for sale. Nobody's taking up any space. It's really difficult to let any space. And I would stick to industrial because it's really doing well. Well, industrial might be doing well, but it's bleeding expensive because it's doing well. And actually, the office space inquiries that that agent has had are all in the 100, 200, 300 square foot, but they're not interested in those size of inquiries. All they're really talking about is the 30,000 square foot for the great big office they've got down the road. It's been empty for the last five years. But actually, when you dig into it, there is a market demand there, but it's at that smaller end of the scale. So those are the four layers to look at. Well, first of all is the sector, and we looked and we spoke there about office. The next one is what is the product offering? Is it a lease? Is it a license? Is it serviced? Is it a full incubator level? The one we spoke about there was managed. We're looking at managed because the building you've identified is a managed office building. What's the quality of the offer? Well, at the moment, it's two star, three star. And then the size of it is 30,000 square feet. But actually, when we start to understand these layers, what we discover is there is a requirement for office space out there, but it's for a higher ended product offering. So they're looking more for something maybe serviced, maybe managed, but certainly up at the other end where there's less bills and less onus on the occupier. The third one is the quality range. So now they're looking at, oh, right, okay, actually this market's not got any four or five star product offering. Maybe that is a gap. And then the fourth one is about size. There's lots of big, big, big buildings, but actually the demand's down at the small size. So now you've identified by looking through that matrix what the different layers of expectation are and what the different layers are in relation to demand in your local market. Interestingly, you'll notice I didn't mention price in any of that, but I think it ends up being a result of the pattern that you're looking at because price is so heavily influenced by supply and demand. And that's what this is all about, is trying to work out where there's undersupply and high demand. It's up to you to identify what's undersupplied and what's in demand by understanding how the market is made up. So I'm hoping that this visual will allow you to be able to identify opportunities in your market much more easily. Now, the one other thing I didn't mention in there, but I guess it sits more in the product offer, is just the length of contract, the contract period. Because you might find in your local market that all those offices that we're talking about are only available for five-year leases. They may be some at three years. But some of the customers, particularly in this current climate, with where we are right now, are not really looking to sign up for five years because they don't really know what they're going to be doing in five months. So they would like more flexibility. That tends to come more at the incubator end or the serviced end of the contract agreements, which is that second layer. So it's the other factor to think about. But price will come when you've identified that gap. That's the important bit. If you're more of a visual thinker, then this is something that I have a diagram of on our website. And that's www.commercialpropertyinvestor.co.uk. And you can pop straight on there or go through the show notes and get a hold of that useful tool. 
We're just creating it just now. It's going to go on the website and you'll be able to download it. It's just a way of identifying what's going on in your local geographical area. So just to finish off, don't think you need to go big or go home with commercial. Think simply about getting started now and building up to the great heights over time. I unashamedly like to keep hold of our developments for the longer term because the cash flow and the tax efficient manner of it is just too good to ignore. And with that comes the secret, which is momentum. It is really difficult to start a big fat truck in fifth gear, but once you get it moving, can really build. <laughs> but if you keep stopping and offloading another development, it will give you a crystallization of tax. It slows you right back down. So remember that when you're working out how and what commercial is actually going to provide for you. So I hope that's helped today. I really want to just give you a, a reset, a reboot. Maybe it's just for me because of what I've been hearing online. But I just want you to remember how simple this market actually is. And don't be put off by lots of high fluting chat. So thank you for your recent reviews on iTunes. It's always exciting and a pleasure to see some great feedback. And it helps put the show in front of other people, of course, which in turn is going to help all of us. Because it's going to bring more people in to listen to the podcast. It's going to allow us to bring in more guests and enrich the learnings that we're going to make. If you want a shout out on the show, by the way, just leave us a review and some kind of legible name. And we'll mention you in an upcoming show. So thanks very much. Really looking forward to speaking to you again very soon. Have a great week in commercial. Oh,